The Planet Sport Rugby Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Planet Sport Rugby Podcast, Japan 2019. This is episode 19 and I'm Liam Flint. I'm Tom Ellis. And on this show, we bring you all things Rugby World Cup, from player interviews to latest news and a little bit of the culture as well here in Tokyo. Tom, let's just start there. It was a rest day today, no games in the Rugby World Cup, but our time in Tokyo is coming to an end. Only got a couple more days. It's been a great time here, hasn't it? Oh, it's been an incredible time. We've been soaking up all the match atmosphere, but also all the sights and sounds and cultural experience that this incredible city and country has to offer. Tokyo, it's just incredible, really. There's so many different cities within the city. Uh, So as you may have heard, if you've been joining us on a day-to-day basis, we've been soaking it all up and really trying to immerse ourselves in this incredible culture. So we hope you've enjoyed our little cultural education that we've given you, which has taken us to places such as a traditional Japanese tea ceremony. We've tried out watching some sumo and we've seen whether we could be the future and the face of samurai here in Japan as well. Which we can. Which we can, apparently due to our instructor and sensei who said we were handsome. He said we were good. He said we were good, didn't he? But I don't know if he was just... Being polite. Yeah, being very polite. We'll never know. So to finish things off here in Tokyo, we thought, what would be an iconic way to sign off? What does everyone think when you say the word Tokyo? And of course, for us, you may have seen it on all of the Rugby World Cup merchandise and marketing anyway, but Mount Fuji is often at the forefront. It's something that the Japanese people are so proud of. It overshadows Tokyo. You can see it from miles around. So Tom and I, using this off day, decided to jump on the train, travel out three hours to what seemed like really rural Japan to go and have a look at the beast itself, Mount Fuji. We stood at Lake Kawaguchiko at the foot of Mount Fuji. At 3,776 metres, it's Japan's highest mountain, seen as a sacred place and is an active volcano, which most recently erupted in 1707. It's stunning, isn't it, Liam? I feel like I've been stitched up here. I feel like I'm missing something. We can see the base of it. But uh, what we didn't realise was that there'd be a thick covering of cloud today. So we were warned that <laughs> there's not too much to look at when the weather's not sunny. But we thought, no, come on. We've had a great time so far. I'm sure it'll clear up. But we've got dense cloud going all the way around the lake. So at the minute, we're looking at a lovely base of Mount Fuji. But uh, yeah, can't actually see it. So we might have to post some some pictures later to ask you guys to to help us. Where is Mount Fuji? So we're hoping after some food, once we get some grub, hopefully it'll brighten up a little bit and we can see this amazing view because we're in prime position right here, right at the base. But right now, you're not missing out. Yeah, it's not quite the iconic image that we often associate with Japan. We woke up this morning, there was a bit of blue sky and sun out the window, so we thought, let's go for it. Let's get on the train three hours from the centre of Tokyo and here we are and it's very cloudy. Feels like a nice UK day doesn't it? It's like like being back at home. Lovely landscape, lots of rolling hills and mountains but the big one, the big show that we came to see is hiding. So we're just, Mm. we're going to be patient and hopefully on our next report (laughs) uh, things will have brightened up. Yeah we're praying for the clouds to clear. What should we do, get an ice cream? Let's go for it. Well, luckily, we are, we are spending a week round here camping as well, oh, watching okay. the rugby. So we saw it this morning when, the, when it was all right. There was a little bit of cloud, but okay. we did get a good view of it. So, And they do say the morning's the best. So That's all right. So yeah, we've, okay. we've come down here just for the day, spent 
about three hours to get here, but it's very much covered in cloud at the moment. So what does it look like in real life? Brilliant. Uh, well, there's no snow at the moment. There's no snow yeah. on the top, but um, it's kind of a very big hill. Yeah. Doesn't look like a, because it's a volcano, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, it kind of looks like quite an easy path all the way up. It's yeah. not like rocky, cliffy terrain. Yeah. It's nice and smooth. Uh, have you got yeah. plans to venture up? No, not to the top, no. <laughs> I don't fancy spending eight hours walking up a hill and yeah. being very cold. It's fine just to look at it right in the morning. You get, you get the yeah. picture. Yeah, I've got pictures, yeah. So, I mean, like I say, we've got another till Friday and we're going around all the lakes, so we'll get some other views of it as well. We saw some Welsh guys yesterday, rugby fans as well. Okay. And they'd come up on a bullet train yesterday. They'd hired from Tokyo, they'd hired a car and they never got one glimpse of it. <laughs> yeah, cloudy the whole time. I bet they're not the only ones. Yeah. Oh, that makes us feel a bit better, doesn't it? Does it does make us slightly better. Right, time to dip into social media now. What have you made of the TMO slash VAR system that we're now using in rugby? Let's go through some of those answers now, Tom. So what's the general gist? Okay, so Emmanuel from South Africa says it's good for the game. Referees make a lot of mistakes even when there's TMO, so imagine life without it. Tuna from Namibia says, I think it's necessary, but only for game-changing decisions. Some refs get carried away and go upstairs for everything. And finally, Epineri in Fiji says, it slows it down in most cases. OK, do you keep getting your thoughts into us on this hot topic? Tom, what's that number that people need? OK, are you ready? Pens at the ready or mobiles. Plus four four. 7707-776-790. Again, that's plus four four seven seven zero seven 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 six. Oh, I've pressed a button. Seven nine zero. And this is why we don't normally trust Tom with the social media. You can see it there in yeah. all its glory. Very much catching up with technology that's going on all around me. <laughs> it's a good job we're in Japan, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, now one of the big talking points around especially tourists and rugby fans coming out to Japan is how to observe and respect the culture. And a big talking point has been tattoos. Now in the West, tattoos just seem to be part and parcel of sport and especially in rugby as well. But Tom, over here in Japan, they're seen slightly differently. So at the Rugby World Cup and big sporting events like this, obviously you have loads of different cultures coming together, uh, intertwining, which is amazing. But also uh, it means you have to pay a lot of respect to different people's cultures because what might be offensive in one culture might be completely normal in another culture. So you may have read some of the stories in the news about this, about players with tattoos. And in Japan, they're widely associated with the Yakuza, uh, so to Japan's organised crime gangs. So many people have been asked, rugby players included, uh, just to respect the Japanese culture and traditions while spending time in the country. And that doesn't necessarily mean covering them up when they're playing. You'll have seen them on TV. They're still on show, but especially in traditional baths or swimming pools or hot springs, uh, there's often signs and the advice is to try and cover up those tattoos or don't go in if, you're, if you have obvious tattoos. I was going to say in that case then you need to cover yours up, but I don't think there's any danger of someone seeing you and thinking you're part of a gang. So I think <laughs> you'll be all right there, Tom. Yeah, you never know. Sometimes the smallest ones are the dangerous ones. <laughs> but I'm not, just to, just to clarify. I'm not, no. I only have two small tattoos, but... He's a podcast producer and he's a bona fide journalist, so don't worry, guys. Now, on the subject of tattoos, we spoke to Joe Tamani, who's a former Wallaby, played for the Wallabies 17 times between 2012 and 2015. 
And recently we spoke to Joe about lots of things, including the players on the world circuit at the minute that inspire him. He plays out in the Pro 14 for Leinster currently, but also the topic of his personal Christian faith and his tattoos. He has nine in total. So I spoke to Joe to find out the meaning behind those tattoos and also what defines him as a person. You know, right now I, I love watching Bird and Bear play. He's a really exciting player. Uh, but then you also got Bundy Aki, who I had the opportunity to play against in Super Rugby, and now and now I get to play against him again in the Pro 14. He's he's an excitement machine as well. Yeah. You're a guy who likes his social media. One of your quotes that really stands out that you put on there is that you say, Jesus be the centre of it all. Why is that such an important statement to you? Why is that one of the first things you say and put on your on your platform? It's just a constant reminder of, one, the sacrifice that he did, not only me, but everyone in the world, and, uh, and also a reminder of, of who I do things for. And I actually got that quote from uh, a worship song that I really like. It's uh, from Israel Haunted, actually named Jesus Be the Center of It All. And, and uh, just listening to that song just just gave me so much comfort knowing that a bridge has been built I reconcile my relationship with God. Uh, knowing that I, yes, I am, a, I am a sinner, but because of Jesus Christ, that bridge has been built for, for me to be, to be able to have a relationship with God. And, and I guess that saying, Jesus be the center of it all, is just a constant reminder who Jesus is and what he did for not only me, but everyone. Lots of people from the Pacific have a Christian faith. What's the difference with your faith that makes it personal? And it's not just a case of, well, this is what I grew up knowing, or this is what we do. Well, me, it came from experience. I mean, like you know, like all Islanders, we all grew up, we all grew up in the church. And you know, when I moved out of home, I sort of fell away a bit from from all of that and did things that I probably shouldn't have. It took me to actually realize that, you know, uh, I guess that there's more to life than what I was doing. I was just in a bad way. The first thing I could think of was, you know, I need to get back to church. I need to go to church. And, and then uh, that's when I started going back to church again and then uh, got saved, uh, got baptized. And, and then I was able to experience for myself a real relationship with Christ and not something that was just sort of not so much handed down but like you know as a kid you probably just don't really have too much of an understanding you know you, you sort of just it, it's, it was kind of like clockwork for me when I was a kid you know go to school Saturday clean the house Sunday go to church and then it, it took me to actually be at the lowest of lows for me to understand that I needed needed him more than he needed me you're a man of the tats you've got a few tattoos some of those to do with your faith i know as well are they a good conversation starter or are they just for you bit of both man like one that i get asked about a lot is uh i got philippians 413 tatted on me they always ask me what it is and i and i tell them and i tell them the bible verse and they always ask me you know the story behind it and i tell them you know how it sort of just related to me when I when I first became a Christian, and that's basically the reason why I got it. It, it allows me to, I guess, open up about my faith. 
Okay, we can't leave you without looking ahead. The Rugby World Cup resumes again as we continue to draw these pool games to a close. Tom, what can we look forward to in the next match day? In Pool B, it's Canada against South Africa. Uh, South Africa, if they get that bonus point victory, it will all but guarantee their place in the quarterfinals unless Italy upset New Zealand in their final pool match as well. Um, so the Springboks obviously lost their opening game of the tournament to the All Blacks, but have since beaten Namibia and Italy. Canada, on the other hand, have conceded 111 points in their two matches against Italy and New Zealand. Uh, they could have scored four or five decent tries in their defeat to Italy, but South Africa will be going out for a big bonus point win in this one. Razi Erasmus has made 13 changes to the side, just a four-day turnaround there. So obviously resting some players, but also giving some of the other players a chance to prove their place uh, as the tournament goes forward and for a, for a place in the team for the quarterfinals. But don't just believe what we say. Have a listen here to a pair of Springbok fans that I met in a fan zone recently as I discussed with them the case for the Springboks to go all the way and their current form. Okay, guys, clear Springbok fans here. How long have you been in country now? Uh, eight, eight, eight days. Eight days. Yeah, yeah. And what are you making of Japan so far? As a host, everyone says it's very clean. Everybody's lovely. It's good standard of rugby. Have you been really impressed? Ah, definitely, except for, for the refing, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Let's, but, no holding uh, back. The, the, the host nation absolutely brilliant. I really liked it. It's uh, the only part for me that's a bit strange. Is I can't find a jersey anywhere. It's sold out yeah. everywhere. So. Okay, that being said, we've been here eight days. We've only started looking now. So, I mean, that's kind of on us as well. You'll find a lot of things out of stock or in size yeah. extra small, yeah. which extra doesn't small. help anyone, does it? No, especially not rugby, rugby fans. Exactly. Some big boys coming over here. Yeah, exactly. You've seen the Springboks now after that early defeat to the All Blacks. Are you confident going into the next round? Yes, definitely. I mean, the Springboks, uh, we're definitely, hopefully we're making it to the final, but I mean, Anything is possible, Japan beating Ireland, so anything is possible. I also feel like we, we got our stride back a little bit, a bit, of, a bit more confidence after that defeat right off the bat, so yeah, it's going better at least. And how good has Chazin Colby been on that wing? <laughs> he's, he's lighting up the tournament. He is absolutely brilliant. Now, that's one of my favourite players in this tournament, just, just because he's so small, but he can tackle with the best of them. It's absolutely brilliant. I love him. And who's been one of the surprise packages for you? There's always one team that seems to go above expectation. Would that simply be Japan or has anyone else caught your eye? Uh, in my opinion, that would be Japan. Like you said, I mean, Ireland, that, that's not a team to take lightly. And Japan really brought it for that game. So they, they've definitely come out swinging. Uh, I'm very impressed with it. OK, so two confident box there. Do keep up and enjoy that game coming up. And of course, we'll be with you our last day in Tokyo tomorrow. So we'll aim to make it a memorable one for you. But that's all for this podcast. I'm Liam Flint. I'm Tom Ellis. And this is a Passion for Sport production. This is the Planet Sport Rugby Podcast Japan 2019. We'll do this all again tomorrow. Bye for now. See ya.